Welcome back to the history of rock. His name is Brandon. He is the DJ. His name is Shim. He is the rock star. Class is in session. And we're sticking along the uh, ways of the Woodstock, if you will. So we're going to be talking about Woodstock 94. And as I was telling Shim, we may be doing three episodes. I'm not quite sure yet. It's a lot to unpack here. Simply because I found some guy's original blog, blog from 1994, with his firsthand account of what happened at Woodstock 94 and all the stuff that it's gonna he's experiencing. It's going to be juicy. It's going to be very like, juicy couple episodes. That part alone is like five pages. So, because he, he he writes in these like real, and it's I mean, it's a really good account. Like it, it it's in depth. Um, it's really funny because the dude totally mocks Nine Inch Nails. Calls out Green Day for being a generic punk band. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the goods, not bad, man. Not bad. So I, I edited some of it down because one of the things this guy would do, and I, I got to find the, the, the link. So if anybody wants to actually go check this out, because he went, he purchased disposable cameras. Again, it's 1994. He purchased the disposable cameras, took a bunch of pictures, and then put them into his blog. Um, and it was it's kind of cool, and it's still there. You can find it, but I got I to gotta look into it a little bit more. Um, and and uh, I'll share the actual link with you. Uh, but on that note, if you guys are here, you're checking us out on YouTube at the time, uh, whether it's uh, Shim's YouTube or my YouTube, make sure you're clicking like, you're uh, clicking the notification, you're clicking subscribe because we have lots of things planned here uh, for our channels. Essentially, we're going to be coming up. We're going to have some uh, um, song episodes i guess we're figuring that out yeah Brand- more importantly brandon's becoming a full-time youtube influencer kind he's of. no longer just a dj or a gamer he's a fucking he's, no, a, he's an llc onto himself i'm kind of i'm figuring it out like like i'm not i'm no longer with original gamer life that was the company i was with for the past six months uh so i've moved on from that so now i'm focusing all of the content it's all going to be going through my channels uh and like my instagram page you guys will see some videos and shit up there so if you guys would be so kind go check all of that stuff out but let's dive right into woodstock 94 which i wrote i forgot i did this uh woodstock 94 hippies and gen x a match made in hell right. that's what i titled <laughs> that's what i titled the uh the episode two, as two, oh, just i can imagine some guy at the front of a of a massive dome saying two gens enter one gen leave there you go <laughs> Yeah, we can sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Yeah, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Uh, oh, and real quick uh, as well, make sure you go to vivalamoca.com if you guys want the merchandise. Yeah, yeah. We've got uh, the History of Rock, the logo right there. We've got those T-shirts. We've got the Cross-Eyed Bear T-shirts as well. But just go to vivalamoca.com, and then on the top of their page, you'll see it says the real brand DeLorean. You can click that link. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, dive right in here. Shimmy, get the first one here with Woodstock 94. Boom. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I've been looking forward to this one. Woodstock 94. It was originally supposed to take place on Saturday and Sunday, August 13 and 14. Friday, the 12th, ended up being added later. It was help. It was helped to commemorate the 25th Hell. anniversary. I was held. I was going to say there's a typo there for sure. By the way, once again, guys, I don't read these ahead of time. Okay, so you're taking the journey with and me. And the edits are fairly limited because it's so fucking long. Brandon does all the real work, and I take you on the journey along with me for what this this whole thing is going to be. So it was held to commemorate the 25th anniversary of the original Woodstock. So the anniversary, the Friday the 12th was the actual anniversary? No, 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 no. Because remember, um, if we go back here to uh, the original Woodstock 69, I believe that that was held a little bit later um, in the actual um, uh, Pantheon? No. 
on the actual calendar. Yeah, it was the fifteenth uh, through the eighteenth was okay, cool. the original Woodstock. Right. So this, so it's, I mean, it's as close as they could get to the original weekend of. Woodstock. So I, so read if you read the next section, I have a question about it. Go ahead. Okay, so the uh, poster for Woodstock '94, which you can actually see right above me. Again, if you're tuning in on Apple or Google, you guys are missing out. We appreciate you guys checking us out. Alan, I'm talking to you. You're probably listening to this while you're in your car. That's perfectly fine. But if you want the full video, you can go to either of our YouTube pages or Spotify. So right above here. We have here, thousands of listeners, but we're pointing out Alan right now. Yeah. What's up, buddy? <laughs> uh, so above, above me here, you'll see the Woodstock 94 poster. It's essentially identical to the original Woodstock poster, except now there's two doves instead of just one on the guitar so the, so the question is is that a signal is that is that is that possible that that is like a big telegraph red flag of we're not really trying to do anything new we're not really trying to recreate we're not this isn't it's literally just like we're riding on the coattails of the original woodstock it's a fucking money grab because the original woodstock was revolutionary and a lot of people used to say about 94 it's like well yeah it's the anniversary and blah 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 but really they could have named it anything. They're just someone probably went, "Oh, let's get the rights to Woodstock and just make a fuck ton of money." Well, it was the same people behind Woodstock. Right. It was so yeah. I mean, it, they wanted to do the anniversary. I get what you're saying. I don't yeah, think it necessarily. My question is. for you, yeah, that you because you know now you've done the research. The people who ran it were they doing it for a cash grab or were they really peace and love? Because it's a diff, not 25 years later. It was a different fucking world. Oh no! I, anything that happened in the '90s, I guarantee it's a cash grab. Yes. <laughs> like that's, I mean, legitimately, like I, it's 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 the way that I th- feel that it is now. Anything that goes on, if there's not money behind it, it's not going to happen, because you right. have to have somebody who wants to make money in order. Like here, I could tell people here in the city of El Paso, let's go out to you know somewhere out in the desert. We're just going to have a big party. Like we're not going to set up a stage, but if some bands want to show up, you guys want to bring some gear, and we're just going to you know throw a party, have some food trucks show up, and just and just have some fun. Yeah, that'd yeah. be cool, but it would never really happen. Because you would need to get the permits, and you would need to make sure yeah, that yeah, this yeah. stuff was going in line, and you need to make sure. And also, that- it's not called Woodstock or Lollapalooza. Like starting a festival is some tough work. Yeah, like it's like starting a band oh, and it's, or starting and a business or a YouTube same, channel. And the same issues, like we talked about this with Woodstock '69. <clears throat> the same issues hit Woodstock '94, where there was delays because people didn't show up on time, and they're constantly jumbling around the schedule and. It, it just it was it's that's one of the major issues when you do a, a festival that covers three days over a mm. weekend. So yeah, it's uh, yeah that's why they stopped doing festivals in Australia. It's it's not worth it anymore. So going back to the the type, Woodstock '94 wasn't in Bethel. By the way, Bethel best name ever. Yeah. I just hear an old man screaming across the street to his wife that's lost her way across the road, and she's like. Like she's she's what's the Bethel? Fucking, yeah, she's Bethel. She's going, where are you Bethel? going? Bethel. It wasn't in Bethel, as the original was, and also it was not in Woodstock either. This festival took place on Winston Farms in Sargeters. How do you say it? Uh, Sargeters, saggy tits, Sargeters, sausages, New York, some fucking sog town in Socrates. New York. Socrates, Socrates. I Socrates. never would have guessed Socrates. Never would have guessed. So it sounds like a a, a Latin philosopher. Yeah, New York, know. which is. It was so going back to it. This festival took place on Winston Farm in Socrates, New York, which is 100 miles north of New York City and 70 miles north of Bethel. 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 It's not Socrates. 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 By the way, there was there was a New England Patriot wide receiver by the name of Bethel Johnson, by the way. 
Just wanted a to guy? Yeah. Fucking Bethel. awesome. Could you imagine growing up in high school as Bethel Johnson, who walks around high school like, you'll see, one day I'm going to be a famous football player. Yeah, that's too shabby. So just like the first event, uh, Woodstock 69, uh, they sold tickets to it. Uh, but for Woodstock mm-hmm. 94, they only sold around 164,000. That's what was actually I wouldn't have bought a ticket. Would you have bought a ticket? I would have crashed it. I never would have bought a ticket. An estimated 550,000 people showed up. So again, just like the first yeah. one, the fences came down and they ended up going forward. And, I, and we'll get to this with Woodstock 99 because the place that they, they put Woodstock 99, the reason they picked it, it was an old, I think, Air Force base. I could be wrong, but we'll get to this in future episodes. And the reason they picked it was because the fences were already up and they were already sort of... Uh, reinforced and they had like the barbed right. wire and shit so it wasn't going to be able to be just torn down by a bunch of kids there was I was watching right. um, I think it might have been Woodstock 94 the film and you can find the whole thing on YouTube and they're talking to this one kid outside of Woodstock uh, 94 and he and they were like you got a mm. ticket he's like no he's like I don't have a ticket <laughs> He goes, I just assume that uh, we're just going to be able to bust through the, the fence and we're going to make our way in. And I was like, and there was a lot of fucking people that had that mentality. And Fuck sure yeah. enough, they did. And we'll, yeah. and trust me, and we'll get to that as well when we get to the one guy's blog that I found because he kind of mm. covers <clears throat> that stuff of where he was glad that he had purchased his ticket because he was able to see all of the event where uh, the fences didn't really come down until after Friday. So if you wanted to see something on Friday, you right. were kind of SOL for that. Uh, but here you right. can you can, uh, now. Here's the thing: for this next thing that you're going to read, yeah. I thought about calling this guy because I Ooh. have his number. Really? Yeah. So read read this we next sh- one. Okay. And I, right, I thought okay, about. It, and I'm I'm hoping he's still. It's still the same number. It's been a couple of years since I've talked to him, but I I okay. thought about bringing him on the podcast, and I might reach out to you him. know. I don't. I, th- th- this should be for the um, encore later on. I don't think anyone changes their number anymore. I don't think anyone does, unless you're getting stalked. But anyway, let's get back to it. Kicking things off on day one, Jackal took the stage and Jesse James Dupree certainly put on a show. He took the stage with a bottle of whiskey and poured it onto the crowd. He then lit up a joint as well as lighting up a wooden bar stool and then carving it with a chainsaw. This is a pretty regular thing for Jackal shows as they use a chainsaw as an instrument. This is where things took a turn though, as he then pulled out a rifle and started firing it in the air, eventually cutting himself pretty badly. (laughs) When he wiped his forehead that left a streak of blood, that's when security finally drug him off stage. Yeah. Fuck me. So I thought about, I thought about, contact because i have jesse's number and i thought about reaching out to him uh to just so that i could get we could get his account on what happened at woodstock 94 because he performed at a street fest down here in el paso i think it was the year before you did and that's one of the things that he does because they have their song lumberjack where it's the chainsaw throughout the whole song so he's out there with a full-on chainsaw and they bring out a wooden stool and he basically just carves the shit out of it on stage okay yeah, and is it, it? It's part of the song, though. Is it like rhythmic? How does that? Okay, kind of. Yeah, um, I, I'll tell you what. Okay. After this, you're gonna have to go check out yeah. Jackal's uh, oh. Chainsaw. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so the North Stage and Ravestock, um, Aphex Twin was performing at Ravestock, but his set was cut short when promoters disconnected him mid-show. Apparently, this dude signed a fake name on the contract. 
which would then forfeit Polygram Entertainment's rights to his performance. Fuck, I love Aphex Twin. There is not a single thing that I've ever heard about Aphex Twin that wasn't the most gangster move. He is such... He's so dope. Not, not too shabby, huh? <laughs> no. And the funny thing is, that would have... I would have done the same thing. I would have... If, if you find out, you're like, oh, we're, we're paying you for nothing. We can't use any of this, like, yank business move-wise. <laughs> but at the same time... If he got, if he was able to finish his set and just get off the grounds, he fucked them. Yeah, and it's like it's, and that's fucking, that's that's the beautiful warfare of the music would, industry. It just comes down to who's gonna fuck, who's gonna fuck me first, you me or am I fucking you? What would be Which one's your, gonna happen first? What would be your fake name? Uh, Oxy Prophet. Oxy Prophet. All right, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> other notable Friday acts include Blues Traveler. Cheryl Crow, awesome, Collective Soul, Candlebox, and the Violet Femmes. Fuck, I love the Violet Femmes. Yeah, we're going to get, get to more of that um, with that one guy's blog where he kind of goes through uh, the, the Oh, sets. I bet he thought, dude, wasn't the, the Violet Femmes are like the worst fucking live band in the history of the world, right? They're just terrible. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't say, heard. no, Limp Biscuits the worst live band. <laughs> Fred Durst has admitted really? that too, man. Like he, he's like, yeah, I know we suck live. He goes, that's where we put all the pyrotechnics and all the crazy shit. He goes, because I know we suck live. Wow. That's, that's. I mean, there's obviously okay, other bands that are pretty bad out there. I mean, I, look. I, should, you know what? We have to do a dedicated history of rock episode for the worst live, top 10 worst live bands. That's a great fucking idea. Okay, really quick. What would be one off the top of your head that would go into that category? Of, of that you red Hot Chili Red Hot Chili Peppers. I love the band. I love them. I love them and I'm a massive fan and it breaks my heart when I see them and they just don't pull it off as well as the record. It's just something is missing. So everybody would know, obviously Jane's Addiction would be up there on mine. Red Hot Chili Peppers also up there on mine. They played, I think it was their Stadium Arcadium tour. When that album came, and out. it's and it's not the drummer. By the way, it's definitely not Chad because I've Chad's played on one of my songs. It's you mean not Chad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Chad is one of the best drummers in history. But there's something that's within that band that the way that they where it feels like the whole band gets on stage and they're just like, we've been doing this for so long, we're not going to rehearse, we're not going to, and then when it comes together, it just doesn't gel. Yeah. Chad's always laying it down. Because because they perform, and we're going to get to their performance at Woodstock 94. That's where they came out looking like light bulbs. And mm. that's known as just a phenomenal performance. But those are yeah. two bands, Jane's Addiction, Red Hot Chili Peppers, another one that would make my list, and I still don't know who to blame at this point. But it would be Velvet Revolver. Yeah, you're going to be I blaming. S- well, you're right. Mm. Fuck, you're right. Who do you blame? But, ah, <laughs> but, see, but see. Everyone's high. Uh, well, so... I saw them twice. I saw them once just on their own tour, and then I saw them again uh, opening up for Ozzy at Ozfest. And this was when it was actually Ozzy back with Black Sabbath. Like, I was so close to the fucking stage, I could see Tony Iommi's fingers, and I could see the tips that were missing. Because remember, that was his thing. He's missing the tips of his fingers. Birth of rock and roll right there. Fuck yeah, man. So um, I saw them when they opened up for Ozzy. Oh, by the way, which, fuck, I totally forgot about this part. Ozzy was awful live. Like, he sounded like shit. Um, but I think it was just an off night for him, which I've heard he has. But he's old, and it happens. Um, but it was uh, Velvet Revolver. Um, they were performing at the Hard Rock in Florida. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm just I'm talking to the audience in between what you're saying. I'm having. <laughs> it's called you- an aside. Oh, 
because you're over on. So that I'm commenting side. on that the thing side. that you just said. That's whichever side. side. No, it's the fourth wall side. Past, oh, oh, past that the camera. side. That side. Yeah, yeah, oh. the fourth wall. Pa- oh, talking okay. to them oh. while you're continuing the thing, so they can be like, okay, we're setting the stage for Brandon's next point, and I'm like, <laughs> just a little bit with that thing he said a second ago. It would have been good if you hadn't fucking interrupted. Now it's turned into a whole thing. Well, yeah, because forever. it's confusing. It's very distracting. The point of it is to add more valuable content into a shorter amount of time, and now oh. we've done the opposite. Oh, oh, well, <laughs> fuck. So anyway, so but, so Velvet Revolver, they performed at Hard Rock Live. And, you know, Scott Weiland, he would perform with, like, a megaphone. And mm-hmm. especially, like, if he was to uh, go into, like, Dead and Bloated, which starts out with yeah. that very filtered voice. It's and awesome. it was either they didn't prep properly or the sound guy didn't know what the fuck was going on. But the the difference between when he would sing with the mic or he would sing with the megaphone, it was yeah. fucking terrible. It just, oh, my right. God. It was the worst. But anyway, that's something else for another day. Uh, so yeah. Blind Melon, they performed on the North Stage on day two with lead singer Shannon Hoon appearing in his girlfriend's dress. And apparently he was tripping on acid during the performance and yeah. his post-show interview on MTV. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, I wish I'd gotten around to wearing a dress on stage, but you can't do it when there's a chick in the band. It just looks odd. Whereas when you don't, you it could just totally do a, You could just do an outfit swap. Yeah, she would have gone for that. Um, okay, so going to the next one. But I don't think she's, a, she's not a dress lady, is she? Mud was a major theme throughout the weekend, which is the number one. I love the fact that it was like every band was covered in mud. I love it. Mud was a major theme throughout the weekend, and Nine Inch Nails leaned into this heavily as they performed on the North Stage completely caked in mud after their performance. Trent Reznor claimed their performance was terrible due to technical difficulties on stage. Their performance of Happiness is Slavery won the Grammy in 1996 for Best Metal for Performance. Reznor also admitted they played Woodstock 94 for the money, saying, to be quite frank, it's basically to offset the cost of the tour we're doing right now. Thank fuck I love Trent. Oh, you can't, this, he, yeah, he lost all his fucks in 89. Just wait, because the, the kid whose blog we're going to be getting into fucking hates Nine Inch Nails. Like, he, <laughs> he just, I'm, okay, hates a strong word. But he right. laces into them pretty good about how they're yeah. they're basically craft work light, and as much as they want to be an industrial band, they're not. Like, oh, dude, I'm telling you, man. Like, I was going through today, and really all I had done up until today was I'd copy and pasted the blog into the show notes, thinking, okay, I got to go in and change this stuff later, because a lot yeah. of the stuff the guy goes into is, and they played these songs, and he lists all the oh, fucking right, right, songs. Right. I'm like, we don't need to do that on the podcast. So I'm editing all that stuff out, and I get to the Nine Inch Nails part where he, like, and he's just kind of, you know, he's like, I respected that they were caked in mud, but other than that, they suck. It's fuck him. Pretty yeah. much what he says. I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be great to get into. But mm. uh, the one of the bands that this kid ends up uh, loving was actually Primus. They performed on the South Stage, and they ended up having to take a break during My Name is Mud. As the crowd then took that as a sign to start throwing mud at the band. And again, so mud, obviously a theme. We're going to find out that Green Day obviously took uh, the mud a different way than Primus did. Because when they started to throw the mud at Les Claypool of Primus, he said, When you throw things on the stage, it's a sign of small and insignificant genitalia. (laughs) And then they went back and kept playing. Uh, Allison Chains, uh, they ended up not performing. We'll get into the reason why later. But Jerry Cantrell joined Primus on stage for their performance of Herald of the Rocks. My question is, once um, Les Claypool said that, did they stop throwing mud or did they throw it yeah. 10 times I mean, more? it pretty much just, I mean, the, the mud on the stage, I think, kind of stopped. 
but yeah. amongst the crowd it kept they kept fucking going yeah it's a mob mentality at that point i remember doing shit i remember doing shit at festivals that was like uh i would never do just because everyone else was doing it when i was young and impressionable they'd be like you'd heckle a band just because everyone else was heckling them and then you'd go into the pit and you'd go crazy for a band and go oh they actually sound shit compared to their record but it's that hit song and everyone's going crazy so i'll just go crazy shut up it it's was, odd no. one shut up it's odd one yeah fuck it <laughs> um joey kramer joe perry and steve tyler of aerosmith were all at the original woodstock as fans and now they got to perform they didn't take the stage though until 3 a.m. right after an extensive firework display from Metallica. Ouch. Okay. Imagine having to follow Metallica after the fireworks. Well, and that's so this is a thing where with this one guy's firsthand account that we're gonna get into in the future episodes, kind of contradicts that a little bit because he claims that the fireworks were after Aerosmith, but this is where some of the accounts kind of differ. A little bit now getting to green day they performed on go. sunday on the south stage mudstock was already in full effect and it culminated in billy joe armstrong starting a mud fight with the crowd during their song paper lanterns and what happened was somebody had originally thrown a mud clod at billy joe armstrong he grabbed it and he ended up taking a bite out of it and then he fucking throws it at the crowd and i still remember to this day like there's certain bands that i this is my first, I think, real big memory of Green Day. Because Dookie had come out just a few months before this. Um, and this was kind of their coming out party where they, they were up there fucking rock starring it up. They had a blast. Yeah. Uh, bassist Mike Durnt, which, by the way, we need to get into his last name. You know why his last name is Durnt? Why? What sound does a bass make when you're like... Durnt, 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 oh, durnt. yeah. Durnt. So he used to do that when he was younger. Like he would just kind of fuck around and like in school and he would just play at the air base. And he's like, dun, 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 right. dun, dun. so that's how his name is. His real name is not Mike Dern. Oh, that's so fucking punk. I love that. <laughs> I can't believe I never knew that. I've been a fan of this for so long. So he was okay. mistaken for a fan trying to get on stage. He ended up getting tackled by security and knocking some That's teeth great. out. This caused Dirt to need emer emergency orthodontia, and there was a gag order in place regarding the incident. Like they they weren't really allowed to talk about it, I guess. But it all came How out. How did anyway. you find out? But, well, because this, I mean, it's it's known now uh, because even right, that right. this kid's blog that we're going to get to. He comments on it where he's like, yeah, I heard Mike Durnt lost three teeth. So it's not like it was super secret. But, yeah, he got taken out by the by the security that's guards a on fucking, stage. Yeah, that's a, and probably because that's a lawsuit. That's yeah. that's a big like if I, I've been there's been a couple of times where I wasn't let on stage or into like and you just have to show them your pass. But if yeah. at that point it's like, hey, we're not letting you on stage. I'm going to be like, well. Now it's a problem. I can't do the show. I don't get paid. You guys sue me. I'm fucking suing you. You add broken teeth into it. Yeah. Someone's getting sued. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Look, just that's what's going to be like under my blog. Shim just loves to sue people. Sue happy. <laughs> Green Day's performance. Green Day's performance at Woodstock 94 helped them gain fans and increase the sales of Dookie. It had been released February of 94. So this really was, 94 was their big fucking year. Yeah, this was really like the coming out party. This is when a lot of yeah. their music was getting rotation on MTV. Um, and, and I remember a buddy of mine who was into music, uh, you know, around that time I played baseball with this guy. And we would talk about music out on the baseball field. And we were talking about yeah. Green Day. And he he thought they were a British band. Because of how Billy Joe sings. 
Like when you sense. go back and listen to the Dookie album, it's got that it's very Sex Pistols esque the way he almost yeah, yeah. sings with a British accent. And I remember him sense. telling me, and he's like, and I'm so pissed that I thought that they were English or they were British. And he goes, and they're not. He goes, and from there on, he was like, I I don't like them. He goes, I feel like they're phonies because their but their performance is not what they are. Their performance is not what they are. Yeah, he felt like they were they 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 were um, presenting themselves yeah, like, as something they were not. Yeah. So, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking? Misappropriating British yeah. culture. Oh yeah. By singing like, yeah, I used to get that shit. The funniest thing is, man, I remember. You <laughs> this remember? Is funny. I don't think I don't think I've ever told anyone this. I have you ever listened to the first Puppies record? It's on Spotify now. It's called oh. Welcome to the Real World. It's oh, yeah. it's the best worst record. Yeah, it's the best worst record. Like, it's bizarre. It's a weird fucking. It sounds like people trying to figure themselves out when they're 16, 17. So I remember my godfather, rest his soul, before he passed away, he passed away when I was nearly 18, just shy of 17. And while I was learning how to write songs, I would sing like James Hetfield, Daniel Johns, and uh, fucking Eddie Vedder. That was all I sounded like. And I was just, and while he was still alive and he was listening to my stuff, he didn't know. He didn't listen to rock music. He he, he was older. He, he didn't really get it. He listened to classic rock and stuff. But he would always say, and I think he said it as a point of contention. It was like, why do you sing like that? Why don't you sing with an Australian accent? You're an Australian. Why don't you sing with an Australian accent? And I was like, because that's how the music sounds. Like you, like Led Zeppelin, they're English, but they sang, it's blues. You sing with an American accent, vice versa. And so I started doing it. I started singing rock music that's an american sound with an australian accent and then i made an album and came back to him and i was like that's why people don't do it because no one buys it because it doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) that's the reason so i went i rather than write a whole song i wrote the better part of an album and was like sang it a lot of and then i did and then by the way i did uh aussie hip-hop like rap rock with an australian accent and no one was doing that at the time. There's an entire culture now of Australian hip hop in, in in Australia, which is just hip hop that where there's Australian rappers where they sing, they, they're rapping like this, mate, doing some stuff, walking down the street, da da ba da ba da. But they're like, go and rest a crocodile, see what happens. You know, like they're really it's Aussie hip hop. And I was doing it. Would you like to play bingo with the bloody dingo like that? Kind yeah, of shit? yeah, exactly. Like I've got an Aussie hip hop song on my Patreon. That is, it is legit. It is so Aussie hip hop. And, but no one was doing it back then. And the reason that I started, why did I start telling this fucking story? Because I don't know, but I'm so happy. There was, there was a small component of people that were like, in Australia, there were, and I mean small, there was a tiny little pocket of fans that were like, we love that you do it in an Aussie accent. It's so different. It's so interesting. But I looked at them and I was like, I'm not going to keep doing it because there's not enough of you. Yeah, I need more people to give a shit, and there's not that many. So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna bridge the gap a little more and go back to singing with an American. I'll talk with an Aussie accent. I'm not gonna sing with one. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta really sell it, man. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah. where were we at here? Uh, so despite being one of the main pieces of inspiration for the original Woodstock, like we had mentioned, Bob Dylan 
He didn't perform at Woodstock 69. However, he was there for 94. Despite being an hour and a half late for his set, his set was considered one of the greater moments of the festival. He also uncharacteristically played lead guitar in a more rock-oriented electric set. And again, I know I just keep kind of pushing the stuff that that we're going to be getting to later, but the, the kid, that blog... He comments on the Bob Dylan thing, and he was like, he fucking kicked ass. Like, Bob Dylan oh. was awesome. Okay. Oh, I can't wait to get to that section. Oh, yeah, because you're right. But, all right, here we go. Um, sidebar, I fucking love Chad, and I love Chad's playing, all right? I really do feel bad about saying that about the Peppers now, because I love the Chili Peppers, but like, anyway... Red Hot Chili Peppers famously performed dressed as light bulbs during their Sunday set. They would do a wardrobe change and dress up as Jimi Hendrix did at the original Woodstock. The light bulbs can now be found on display at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Vegas. That's dope. I w- yeah, that's fantastic. All right. That's and all I've got to say about that because I'm, I'm, I'm scared to say anything else. Yeah, he doesn't want to go down that path of how much. I don't want Chad to Peppers. see it and be like, motherfucker. Oh, they're like, not going to the see best- this. Look, if it's not Alan and it's not my mom, they're not going to fucking see it. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm sorry, or my sister or dad. I get I get major support from the family. I appreciate that. Yeah, right. but it's not like they're best friends with Chad Smith. He's never going to fucking hear it. Right. Uh, so anyway, so uh, Peter Gabriel, by the way, he was your closing act, and apparently he also just put on an absolute hell of a show performing on Sunday on the North Stage. And I totally forgot. I I deleted this out of the notes, but I want to make a note of it here. There was, um, it was a group that was put together by Peter Gabriel and they performed before Green Day. And it was the world of dance, arts, and music, like Wodam or something like that. And the, 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 the blog article from this kid talked about it and he was like, it felt like it went on forever. And then when the crowd started, or they wanted to get chants from the crowd, the crowd would just crown. Uh, the, the crowd would just chant, we want Green Day. <laughs> and so Peter Gabriel, they were out there and they're like, hey, let's have some respect for these other artists. Ah, the crowd didn't give a fuck. They were like, we no. want Green Day. Yeah, no, no one's going to. Yeah. All right. So now we're getting um, to the declined invites and missed connections. Not as lengthy of a list as we had for 69. And then we're going to wrap this up after this. Because we're, um, we're at time, by the way. Yeah, I think we're getting close to time. Then we could do the encore, and then we'll we'll break up this one dude's uh, blog into two yeah. separate parts. So we'll actually we'll do three episodes here on Woodstock '94. Yeah. Do I start this? Here we go. It says Shim. Guns and Roses were asked to appear. They declined due to in- <laughs> sorry. They declined due to internal problems. Yeah. Said everyone ever. As well as feeling that the concert was too commercial. <laughs> Slash did make an appearance, though, <laughs> with Paul Rogers' rock and blues review. So it was too commercial for Guns N' Roses, but Slash came up and played with two other fucking artists. Yeah. He came Fuck. up and well, he just came up and played with, uh, with Paul Rogers there. So, yeah. Uh, and blues review. That's a joke. See? If you were taller. Go ahead, Johnny Cash. I'm saying that like Paul Roger Rock and the Blues Review is two separate bands. That's the joke, but that they're not. They're a. <laughs> Sorry for anybody who's not watching. I'm just staring. Go ahead. Keep, yeah, no, right no. Now. Just keep on blinking and staring. Go ahead. Uh, Johnny Cash, Cash. At the time, he was the only living person that had been inducted into both the Country Music Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He declined when he learned that he would not be performing on the main stage. It's fair enough. 
That is fair enough. Why would he wouldn't put, have gone down. How would you not put him on the fucking main stairs? Johnny Cash, Oh, man. sorry. I misunderstood. I thought you meant like headlining. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. I would turn it down as well. If someone, if some festival called me and <laughs> sorry, hold on, hold on. If some wait, if some Street fe- Fest, <laughs> El Paso, 2022. If some festival called, if some festival called me and said, uh, we're putting you on the side stage, I would say, huh. Alice in Chains was originally scheduled to perform, but pulled out due to lead singer Lane Stanley's continuing drug problems. So yeah, this is just rock, rock star 101. Pretty this much. is like every band, every band acts like they're awesome fucking rock stars. Shock horror. And then we're going to uh, kind of talk about Nirvana here like we did with Lollapalooza. Again, 94, this was the big fucking year, man. Um, which unfortunately promoters, they were pursuing Nirvana, but the band pulled out due to Kurt Cobain's health. And of course, he obviously passed away that year on april 5th before the festival even happened so think about the major things from 94 like that like we went like that was green day's big coming out party where they were just like this was when they became i i kind of look at green day like this like this was their first real big spike and then they kind of tapered off a little bit until about 2000 was it 2004 when american idiot came out and then that was a I think it was earlier than that, but yeah, it was it 2002 or something. Yeah, it, yeah. that vaulted them to. You know, what? I'm going to look it up now to prove you wrong. Yeah, uh, no, you're, that, you're absolutely that, right. That that vaulted them to like uh, superstar status. Like Green Day was yeah. always a big fucking deal. They well, kind that, of actually, you know what? Off, you know what? Man, hold on, you're for, you're forgetting something. You're forgetting something. Time of your life. Time of Your Life was right in between Dookie and American Idiot. And Time of Your Life was a massive, biggest song of the year crossover. That really put them into, hey, these guys are real artists. Even though he was totally bloated in that video clip and they were like drunk and drugged out and at oh. the end of a three three album cycle. You also, you also know what like, it so goddamn huge? What? Oh, the Seinfeld. Seinfeld, yeah. Yeah, last episode they were, of Seinfeld. Yeah, when they were wrapping it is, that a- thing up. By the yeah, way, what, what did, did you think it. American Idiot came out? I thought it was 2002 or 2000 and... No, what was it? 2004, son! Fuck you, Jesus Christ. Good, good I, for you. I remember you. This, one, what, one point to you. But here's the thing. I remember a lot of this stuff because it has to do with the radio stations that I was working with at that time. Like That's how I'm able to remember these dates a lot more because right. I know we played the shit out of Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I know we played yeah. the shit out of American Idiot. And I remember when they first came on the air because I've, uh, I was actually just goofing around on Spotify. And I'm kind of creating, like, since we had that Lip Biscuit uh, a couple of weeks ago where you and I were just sitting there watching them perform at Lollapalooza and Fred Durst is up there with his fucking dad look. Um, yeah. I started this playlist on Spotify. It's like late 90s, early 2000s where it's Limp Biscuit, it's Corn, it's System of a Down. And then I include, uh, included some Slipknot in there. And again, Slipknot, that was a big band. I make it sound like they're not a big band anymore. Uh, but like I remember like at that time, this was when I lived in Eugene, Oregon. This is when American Idiot came out. This was when Volume 3, the subliminal verse, um, was it the subliminal versus was the full name of that album? That's when that came out because so. we played before I forget. We played Vermilion. Yeah. We played um, Duality. Like Those were the big fucking songs when I was there. Now that I'm out in radio, all these dates are going to fucking escape me because I turned on the radio. Like I like finally turned on the rock station here in town. I don't know. Like I haven't heard new rock music blow like blow my uh, hair back in well, at least since I was in high school. Since I had hair, 
<laughs> okay, we need to do, an, that, that'll be in the encore section. Actually, you know what? We're at time. So here's what we're going to do. On the next episode, we're going to get to Green Day's performance uh, even more. We're going to get into some of the deep dives on a couple of these band's performances and how they went wrong. And also, uh, oh, first-hand experience from this guy with the blog. Like, it's going to be a meaty it's, episode on oh, the next It's one. great. It's great. We're going to split this into two, most likely. Um, Ram uh, Samudrala. I, I'm hoping I got that right. And I believe he's from Ram India. Samudrala. Like He actually came over from India to go to uh, Woodstock 94. So this is right. mostly his account. I did some editing on some of the stuff. Uh, but that's all the stuff that we're going to be getting to in the next episode of the History of Rock. But on that note, we can uh, roll right on, and we'll—I I got a couple of notes down for the uh, for the encore here, my friend. Boom! All right, this in, uh, so uh, his name is Brandon. He's the DJ. Ah, uh, his name is Jim. <laughs> Sorry, was... he's the rock star. Class uh, dismissed. Shut up. <laughs> All right, encore time. So you want to know the first thing I was going to bring up on the encore? What? Is that uh, we're both wearing, both wearing, we are both wearing very rock and roll t-shirts today, but very different sides of the spectrum. You have yourself a Motorhead shirt on. Correct. And I'm rocking my my Fleetwood Mac shirt that I got at the, at Mick's House of Fleetwood in uh, Paia. Oh, um, yeah. That's right. Beautiful. Yeah, we should probably... Oh, you know what I'm looking forward to? When are you going to get a, a cross-eyed bear shirt? When are you going to get one to wear? I have one. Well, what, you should wear that every time. I I, and I, I need I, something to wear on mine. I thought I... You're going to be wearing our own we got to figure out how to get you some of the merch. And it, like before and you know what? next year when you're in town for Rage. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. And I just remembered one thing as well. Oh, by the way, remind me to tell you something about Tom Morello. Um, I... Uh, is this... Is this pot, uh, can, we, can we talk about yeah, it? No, on? it's not... It, yeah, we can talk about it on the podcast. It's not a big deal. It's not. It's okay. not. It's not a huge thing. Um, it's, just, it's, just a fan, it's just. It's a fan giggity thing. Um, but no, I. I want to. I got to start reminding people now that it's. A, I've announced it. Investor share the the crypto stuff. I just want to say. Oh, I, I want to put a link to it in the thing in the podcast. The same way we're promoting the things that we're working on. So anyone who might be interested in learning crypto stuff, um, to put that in there, I got to pop that in as we say. So- the, so speaking of shirts the, and the merchandise, spiel. and you coming to town so, next year for Rage, we yes. I, I, that's something I, I want to talk to Charlie at Viva La Mocha about, um, yeah. which by the way, also quick shout out to him because he has done, he's the one that did our logo. He did the Brandalorian logo of mine. He did the cross-eyed bear shirt. He even kicked ass and uh, did an amazing logo for my wife's new business. Um, so it's just top-notch shit coming from Charlie. We need to get some shirts made. You and I will we'll do a full 25 shirt run. And it's just like, I just came to rage. And then it's just the fucking rage against the machine shirt. Like that's what we wear to the concert. Are you cool with that? That's because here's the thing. Cause remember, did you ever see the movie PCU? It had Jeremy Piven in it. No. So, and it had uh, uh, David Spade and the whole PCU thing. It was politically. I've never university. had I've never had a T-shirt made for a show. I know there are people that do that when they're going, but that's I, I can. Well, I but can see that. So that and that's that. that's where it comes up in this movie is that one of the characters, and it's actually John Favreau. It's a very sort of portly looking John Favreau with dreadlocks, by the way. Uh, awesome. And he's going to go see uh, George Clinton in Parliament Funkadelic, and Jeremy Piven's character is like, "You're wearing the T-shirt for the band you're going to go see." 
Don't be that guy. Nobody likes that guy. And so I've always been adamant. You don't wear the fucking shirt of the band that you're going to go see. But for this, I might make an exception where if we get special shirts done and we'll we'll have. So if you and I each get a shirt, that means there will be like 23 extra shirts that we could. I don't want like, look, I would be willing to. I don't think we can can sell. I wouldn't sell. I think we could sell as that we could. So here's what we could do. You could give them away at the show. We could give them away. It was, so, again, it's Las Cruces that Wednesday, day off for Rage that Thursday, and then El Paso that Friday. When we go do our live taping of History of Rock at some bar around here, that could be our giveaways. That's a good we idea. We could do like Rage that. Against the Machine t-shirts. Yeah, I like that. So, um, what was the other thing I was going to bring up here? The thing um, I was going to say is... Um, change number. I texted, what did I write that down? I, text, I oh. texted Tom last week. <laughs> you got something for me? No, I just remembered. That's why. So this is perfect because when we were talking about Jesse James Dupree and whether I was going to call him, you're like, people don't change their numbers anymore. That's oh, something yeah, that that's you said right. to bring up in the encore. See, I fucking yeah. wrote it well, down, Well, no, this, Mike. this was the thing. I was I texted Tom Morello last week because I watched uh, Metal Lords. Have you seen that yet? Huh. Oh, my God. Is that, is that who? You have to watch. No, it's on Netflix. You have to fucking watch Metal Lords, dude. It is. It's, it's every reference that we love it's everything that we love done but i texted tom Tom did the music for it okay all of the and so i was i just sent him a text like dude fucking watched it great work it was awesome and he just texted back straight away like thanks man it was heaps of fun and i was like oh and i remember thinking that's a guy that would possibly change his number like all that has to happen is i was gonna say one person just is is hounding him and bugging the crap out of him how do you know you're contacting tom morello how do you not how do you know it's not just some dude you're absolute. Well, now you've ruined it for me. Thank you so much. That's great. That's what now. Now I'm going to have that in my head. And now it's on record, too. Now well, it's no, live well, on YouTube. Well, but you also got to think about it, too, because remember you texted him about the tickets to the show and he was like, yeah, that's out of my control. So yeah. that's something Tom Morello would say. If somebody were trolling you, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll have front, r- yeah. Fr- front row seats and backstage passes. No, at the fucking no, no. Gate but no, I you. do think that like I do think that like um. The only thing I was the funny thing is, dude. This, here's how bad it was. This was this was how bad I was about to fuck up with Tom Morello. This is a clip. You ready? Hold on a second. Recording stopped. I'm gonna catch this. Ready? Recording Move in that. progress. Like I'm okay, not watch recording this. the whole fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> so check. <laughs> this is how badly I nearly fucked up with Tom Morello. I texted him about the show. He did a movie. He did the music for a film called Metal Lords on Netflix. It's amazing. And I was about to text him, hey, man, just finished Rock Gods. Great work. And I was about you to fucking fucked up send the name it. Of the movie. I was about to send it. And I was like, I'm not sure if that. Hold on. Let me check something. And I went in and, che- and I was like, oh, and if I had sent it, that would have been permanently in our text history. And I'd be like, I can never talk to him again. No, because that would have been right in line with all of your experiences with Tom Morello, like going on the plane to say hi to him and he's not there because he's in the bathroom or shutting the tour bus door Door in in his his face. face. Yeah. And for anybody who doesn't know those stories, we're going to be getting to those coming up when we cover Rage Against the Machine. But you can also go back to old uh, Rockstar 101 episodes. You can hear about how Shim literally slammed the door in Tom Morello's face. He was like, you know what? Slam. Yeah, yeah, it's what that's no, and and he still talks to me every once in a while. I'm surprised. <laughs> All as right, far. so Honestly. so we're gonna take a break here. 
You're going to do your meeting. I'm going to go eat some dinner. We're going to come back, record the next episode. Should Do you want me to change into my cross-eyed No, I shirt? don't want you to. Don't you go change nothing. I should. You go, I should, don't though. Go with because don't it looks so in. fucking good. You're right. I've had, friends, I've had friends that I worked with uh, down in Florida who I haven't seen in probably 15 years sending me messages on Facebook with a screen cap of their purchase. Where they're like, I totally wow. bought this shit. And I was like, fucking thanks, man. Like, yeah, that's man. awesome. And one that's guy fantastic. was like, he's like, dude, he goes, the logo is fucking sick. Of course I was buying this thing. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, dude. That's fantastic. That's awesome, dude. All right. I'll see you in one hour. Let's come back and we'll do the rest. All right, mate. Good boy, right, everybody. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah. a bit. <laughs>